You're listening to Speaking of Racism, the podcast dedicated to frank, honest, and respectful discussions about race and racism in the U.S. I'm your host, Jen Kinney. Pull up a chair and let's talk. Special thanks to Grapes for the music. The song is I Don't Know featuring Jay Lang. All right, today I want to welcome Chiquita Patterson of United Street Tours to the show. Welcome. Thank you. So good to talk to you. So tell me a little bit about what United Street Tours is, how you came up with the name and what you do. Okay, awesome. So United Street Tours is a walking tour company that provides Black history walking tours in Nashville. So students were my main motivation behind starting this walking tour company. Uh, I was a dean of students at a school here before stepping out full time and focusing on my business last year. So when Black History Month rolled around, I was super duper excited to motivate students to take charge of the planning and the programming and the theme for Black History Month. Mm -hmm. Now, I had the privilege of working with some of the most creative students on the planet. So I was pumped about this, right? But eventually we hit a wall. So when Black History Month rolled around during school, I would plant seeds with students during transitions and say, hey, Rose, making up a name, right? We're right. going to planning Black History Month soon. If you have any ideas, shoot them my way. So a few weeks later, I went around during the gossip hour, also known as lunch, to talk <laughs> with people. Right. <laughs> to talk to students who I thought would be interested. So pop around to different lunch tables and say, hey, guys, can I talk to you for a minute? Most most of the students said, of course. And so I would say, hey, we're planning. We're starting planning for Black History Month soon. Are you interested in helping out? And for the most part, students would be like, yes, Miss Patterson. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked me. When do we get started? <laughs> right. So before I would leave the table, I would do a quick survey just to get some data and say, well, what ideas do you already have? What are you guys thinking about? And from doing that, I realized that a lot of people were saying, oh, we want to we want to focus on Martin Luther King Jr. Over women, everybody, Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King Jr. So from that quick survey in my head, I'm thinking Martin Luther King Jr., he's a really popular guy at this school. <laughs> like everybody <laughs> Talk about him from Black History, but all of my students want to focus on him, right? Right. So I did, yeah, I didn't think much of it at the time. And it wasn't until I started to dig deeper and have more intentional conversations with students that I realized that everybody wanted to focus on Martin Luther King Jr. because that's all they really knew about Black history. Mm. Mm -hmm. So to my surprise, a lot of students, they only knew about the life and the death of Martin Luther King Jr. And that's what they were comfortable talking about. So I had to take a step back, right? And I, I always have to take a step back as an educator and say, what was I thinking at this age? Or what did I learn at this age? It's not to judge students. Sometimes you have to say, what was I thinking when I was a teenager? Right. And when I asked myself, what did I learn about Black history in school? I realized that I learned about Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> mm. So when I was growing up, I learned outside knowledge about Black history because my grandmother had a bookshelf 
And on this bookshelf, she had a bunch of dictionaries and the encyc- like hundreds of encyclopedias and books of African-American authors and about African-American topics. And so I just fell in love with the reading and seeking knowledge and learning all that the books had to offer. I would sit down and read for hours and hours and just soak up all of this knowledge. So I realized that a lot of the stuff I knew about Black history was self-taught. And I, too, mm-hmm. had been told mostly about Martin Luther King Jr. at school. Somewhere, at some point in time, we as a society decided that Martin Luther King was safe to learn and teach about. And like Mar- uh, Malcolm X are labeled as unsafe or controversial to talk about. Right. So everybody learns about Martin Luther King Jr. And we rarely get any information about anything. So basically, these interactions that I was having with multiple students was a defining moment for me. So I did what any normal person would do. (laughs) I started complaining about it. For months and months, I complained to my spouse about how our teaching methods may not be as inclusive as we think they are. Mm -hmm. And I asked myself tough questions like, are we unintentionally teaching students how to be prejudiced? Am I a part of the problem? And I just I just asked these questions for months and I just kept complaining about it. And the major problem, I realized that the major problem with having limited exposure to Black history content is that it forms an information gap in our minds. Mm-hmm. And information gap really means that there's a gap in information. Okay, so if you don't know something, you begin to feel uncomfortable or defensive or challenged and sometimes even aggressive when people ask you things that you're not necessarily aware of. It reminds me of this whole idea of being woke or not being woke. Really, being woke means basically, do you have the information needed to see the world through a different lens? Okay, and not being exposed to Black history content affects our ability to see the world through different lens, through a different lens, and to think inclusively. It also affects our ability to interact with people cross-culturally and feel comfortable having those interactions. And then it also affects our confidence level and how we see ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. So my goal with these Black history tours is to, to bridge this information gap, to teach people what we haven't necessarily been taught in a high energy, fun and engaging way. I love that idea. So when you started the tour company, who were you really aiming this at? Like, who did you imagine when you were sitting and dreaming and doing this? Who did you think this is who I'm going to be speaking with? This is who is going to attend these these tours? You know, when I first started the tour, I imagined that I would love to have students come out, take the tour, bring their parents, and everybody just learn together, whether it's a school field trip or parents bring their children individually. It was all geared towards students. In fact, some of my first tour guides were the students from the school where I worked. So I really wanted to get them engaged and involved and to learn about Black history. That is so good. What an amazing way to get people involved in the process. And like I think of high schoolers, right? And it's really hard, you know, way more than I do to get kids engaged in things. And so to me, that is such an exciting idea to think that, you know, you had high school kids who are tour guides because what better way to learn and to engage the content right, than to actually be responsible for educating other people on this. 
Absolutely. That is so cool. I realized that the thing that keeps people, students, adults, everyone engaged is storytelling. So when I first started the tours, um, I would tour my friends and my spouse. And the very first tour I gave them, I said, wasn't that amazing? And they just looked at me and was like, oh, my God, Chiquita, that was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was like, what? I have been researching and writing all of this time, and I finally worked up the courage to present it to you, and it's awful. Right. And then they told me basically that I had all facts. No one wants to hear facts and figures and numbers and dates. No one really wants to hear that. No one remembers that. What people want to hear is the stories. They want to connect with with history through storytelling. So that's when I have to go back to the drawing board and just say, what am I reading? What is it telling me? Who's important in this? What is their story? What is their background? And just start researching individual people and events and really coming up with stories to represent uh, people's lives accurately. And that is a heavy responsibility. But I gave that next tour to my friends and my spouse and it was like, oh my! We love it. So it was well worth the initial feedback. (laughs) That's awesome. So what is it like to take a tour with you? Oh, my God. It is. This is what I like to say. No tour is the same. Right. So every tour I give, everybody on a tour brings something different. I've toured people from Japan. I've toured people from South Africa. I've, our, our biggest clientele is from Australia. Really? Um, right. They love our tour. They come out. They add so much value to it. When you get so many people from all over the world on one tour for 90 minutes, the conversation is powerful. So no tour is the same because everyone is different and everyone brings a different knowledge base to the table. That is really cool. Tell me about your name. I'm curious about that. United Street Tours. So the name United Street Tours, um, United because ultimately what we want this company and these walking tours to do is to unite people through gaining an understanding of where we come from. I tell people all the time, Black history is not just reserved for African-Americans. Black history is Americans' history. So it's to unite us in the whole picture, the, the whole background of Americans' history, and not just pieces that we think are safe and leave out the pieces that we feel like are unsafe. That's really interesting. Um, I've been reading a book called White Fragility by Dr. Robin D'Angelo. Have you heard of it or read it by any chance? I have heard of it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It is such a good book. I cannot recommend it enough. And we're going to be talking about it in a later podcast. But today I was, you know, listening to it and prepping for our interview. She was talking about how we relegate Black history to a particular month versus bringing it throughout and weaving it through the thread of just education for all Americans to be able to learn about and look up to and listen to. And it was really interesting because you and I have spoken before and, you know, I shared with you that I homeschool my kids. 
because of some health things. But then while I was doing it, I decided I really wanted to dig in and do more in terms of their historical literacy and understanding and realizing too, that I'm a product of this education system as well. And so I have these huge gaps. So it was really interesting to hear her talk about that. I was at a museum and I realized that whenever Black history or people of color history was expressed in, a, in museums, it was only to further explain a point about white history. We have rarely seen in a museum where they talk about the intersection between Native American history and Black history, right? It's always mm -hmm. Native American history and then white people or Black history and then white people. Mm -hmm. For anybody who is starting to, you know, dig into this, you were talking about wokeness as this idea that even within communities of color, there are varying degrees of wokeness for people, depending on, you know, the history that they've learned and what they've internalized and so on and so forth. And so as we all dig into these things more and look at this and think, what can we do to create change? I think your point about education and about this gap and the tension that that gap creates is so profound. And the work that you're doing is so important. And you're having fun and you're touring people around and meeting people from all over the world and getting to like to the honor I have to imagine that you must feel to carry these stories to a broader audience has just got to be like amazing. I have chills thinking about it. Absolutely. My favorite people, well, I have a lot of favorite people to talk about on the tour. Let me just say that. <laughs> but two of the people I love talking about is the story of John Lewis and the story of Paula Pratt. Mm. Well, tell I'm us about it. Absolutely. I'm a big advocate for inclusion and diversity, and that reflects in the stories that I tell. So when I talk about on a civil rights movement tour about people uh, who were involved in the civil rights movement, I tell the story of John Lewis alongside the story of Paula Pratt. Right. So as a young African-American college student, John Lewis was a part of a courageous group students in Nashville who pretty much executed a plan to change the world through these nonviolent resistance techniques that they learned from a man named Lawson, right? So John Lewis, who is currently a U.S. congressman, went to college right here in Nashville, Tennessee, learned these nonviolent resistance technique went down to lunch counters in downtown Nashville and set in whites only areas to protest. Mm. Right. And in the same respect, Paula Pratt, who was a white student from the uh, North came to Fish University, a historically black college here in Nashville, because he wanted a different perspective and wanted to put himself outside or in, wanted to put himself in a different environment to learn new things about people who were different than he was. He also participated in the civil rights movement and sat down at these downtown Nashville lunch counters and protested for what he believed in. John Lewis and Paula Pratt, they were beat. They were taking a jail catcher, pouring on them, poured on their heads, just called everything but their names. And yet and still, they pressed forward mm. to change the world. 
I love that. And let me ask you, like, why do you do that throughout all of your tours? And what made you decide to highlight also um, white civil rights activists? Yeah, so I tell stories throughout all of the tours about people who had a great impact in Nashville's history. Mm -hmm. Um, And I talk about white civil rights leaders like Paula Pratt because everybody... I talk about white civil rights leaders because the the name of our company is United Street Tours, right? We're not out here talking about things to divide. We want to bring people together. And to bring people together, we want to tell the full story of the civil rights movement. And the full story is that there were so many people from different backgrounds serving as allies to push this movement forward. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because I know for me in my journey, like when I started realizing the depths of division and the just regularity of racism, and I started learning about the way that race was constructed historically, you know, for a little period of time, I really felt like despondent in a sense as a white woman. And I I just felt kind of like, Oh, I, you know, the weight and the horror of it. And I remember going to this event where they really focused on the humanity of all people. And um, there was a woman who her name is Tawana Petty, and she's a local uh, artist and speaker and author. And she put together this small book called Toward Humanity. And it's a workbook, essentially, to work toward anti-racism work. And one of the things she said to the white people in the audience was, You need to understand and learn your history and who your role models are and find abolitionists, you know, who you can look up to and sort of call on in a sense, you know, for your inspiration and energy and so on and so forth. And I just remember thinking like, that is so profound because we do have this really horrible, dark history. And yet there are these people who stepped up and pressed forward. And it's so healthy to be aware of that. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Absolutely makes sense. You know, a defining moment for me was as it relates to race was when I got to college. Um, I had a moment before then, but college really took it home. Uh, So when I I was a freshman in college, went to Middle Tennessee State University and checked into my dorm and I had a white roommate. Mm -hmm. So... We were both in that room, like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to live together? I don't feel like I don't like white people. And I know she's thinking, like, I don't feel like I don't like black people, but we never thought we would be living with someone across culturally. Mm -hmm. So we had, we ended up being very, very close and had some of the most profound conversations of my life. And one of the conversations that we had was about family members who didn't necessarily um, appreciate people from different backgrounds. And she would say, hey, uh, I have a family member who's racist. I wish you could talk to them. I don't necessarily agree with their views and things like that. And I would say, well, I have a family member who also don't appreciate white people because of the historical oppression that's there. And we would just like have deep conversations just like grow together but in that moment I had no idea that 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 was growth moments for me it's just like hey this is my roommate we having these conversations and we're different than each other (laughs) wow do you still have contact with that person we are still Facebook friends to this day that's awesome 
in terms of your tour company now, where are things at? Who are you getting as clientele? Are you still having a lot of students? We, we know you see a lot of people who are outside of the country, but I'm curious, like, it sounds like you're insanely busy. You're very <laughs> highly rated. Everybody loves your tour. So who are you really seeing these days? So that is a loaded question. <laughs> so we do get, of course, a lot of international guests who come to our tours. When we first started, we sold out for the first three months with all locals. Wow. So we get a lot of locals as well. We have a few school groups already signed up to tour in the spring. Wow. Um, so it varies. So we get a lot of organizations that come out and say, hey, this would be great for our diversity and inclusion initiatives that we have at our, uh, at our workplace. We get a lot of people come out and say, hey, our kids need a field trip. This would be a great opportunity for them to learn about civil rights leaders. And we get a lot of people that travel to Nashville for country music. And they're thinking, like, what does civil rights have to do with Nashville? Because Nashville is the country music capital of the world. So they're just curious. Mm. And they want to come on tour to learn more. Wow. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't really associate Nashville with Black history, but there is so much Black history here and the Black culture here is so rich and vibrant and amazing. Now, do you focus, do you have anything that's specific to music? So the the story that we like to tell on our Jefferson Street tour called the Nashville Black Wall Street story is the true musical legacy of Nashville. So this university uh, is a historically black college here. And when they were first starting out, they saw some financial struggles as any new uh, business would. And they started out right after the Civil War. So in order to raise money for the university, the Fish Jubilee Singers, this gospel singing group was created. And so this singing group was singing all over the U.S. And they, was, they were singing slave songs and they sung all over Europe and they went to all, just singing all over the world. Right. Wow. So they got the opportunity to sing in front of Queen Victoria. And she said, oh, my God, you guys have such beautiful, angelic voices. You must come from a music city. Wow. That's given Nashville the name Music City. What? So Absolutely. That's so, so cool. <laughs> so a lot of people think that Nashville is named the Music City because of country music, but the Fish Jubilee Singers were the first people to export music out of Nashville. Oh, see? That's it right there. How awesome is that? <laughs> that is That is so cool to hear and to learn about. I really appreciate that. So then would you say you mostly have adults joining in? Because I'm curious, like demographic wise, um, who's interested in these tours? We have mostly adults. When, okay. when parents come and they bring their children, um, a lot of the times they book private tours. Okay. So we don't have a lot of students on our public tours. They come on our private tours for family reunions, family gatherings, family vacations and things like that and field trips. Very cool. So why do you think this is so popular? 
I think that this is so popular because people want to know what they don't know. People are curious. Mm -hmm. People are eager to close this information gap that we have. And it is absolutely a fun thing to do. We don't take history from, to the point where when you leave our tours, you feel sad and you feel depressed. But we really have a lot of fun. And we have a lot of fun and learn a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. This journey is a journey like none other that I have experienced, and I wouldn't change it for the world. That is so awesome. So what's been one of the most um, surprising parts of doing this? When you started out, and it, like if you can think back to it, I couldn't have imagined this, what would that be for you? I couldn't have imagined that after a tour, there's always someone who cries. And at first, <laughs> at first, I used to think, I don't want to make people cry on their vacation. And then I have to realize in, in talking to my guests, these are tears of relief and happiness because people would tell me, I have been wanting to know this information or I really relate to these stories or I didn't even know this happened. And they are so relieved and so happy that United Street Tours is providing them with a platform to gain an understanding. So I would say those moments where at the end of the tour, we like to go around and say, tell me one site that we visited today that stood out the most to you and why. Mm -hmm. And people did all type of things. And every single time someone cried. Wow. The heart of this podcast and what we're trying to do is bridge these gaps as well, you know, and have these conversations and and invite people into them without judgment, without condemnation, without shaming. And so I love connecting with people who have that same heart and idea, because like for me, the reality is we have a, you know, like we live in a country where we have this very heavy burden and very heavy division as a result of our history. And because many people don't really even understand the history, a lot of them don't even see the division. And so the thing that I've really been trying to dig into is how do we bridge these gaps with people? How do we bring people along, create spaces where, you know, you can start just planting seeds even, you know, it doesn't have to be some big, heavy, uber woke conversation, you know, but just uh, like, like here's humanity, here's story. And so I love, cause I say that story is sacred and I believe that. And so I love that, you know, like for you, you are bringing people story and connecting them with something. And so to have that emotional response at the end seems so appropriate, but it also, I think speaks to, oh, like the level of desire in people to know more, to do more, to do better, to grow in, you know, unity and in truth and in this pursuit. And so that just gives me a tremendous amount of hope. But I love to hear that like people are connecting with this and that this is impacting people's lives. I mean, how does that feel for you? It feels great. It feels great knowing that we're creating something and consistently expanding something that will change people's everyday lives. 
before I started uh, writing tours and putting all of this out there, I met with history professors at various college and colleges and universities around Nashville um, to talk to them about the history of Nashville. And when I was talking to a professor at a local college, we were sitting down and it was a group, uh, it was a, a few professors sitting around. We were all having a conversation and we were just talking about our lens and perspectives and, and viewpoints and things like this. And it came up, the professor said, Chiquita, I think it's really amazing what you're putting together. He said, I'm going to tell you why. He said, growing up, I knew that there was this huge divide between Black people and white people, but I wasn't allowed to say anything about it. He said, I grew up hearing about Martin Luther King, but I learned about him as if he was the bad guy. He said, I never learned or realized that Martin Luther King Jr. was the good guy until I got to college and started researching this information for myself. Hmm. And in that moment, I bust out loud. I was laughing so hard. I just started laughing. And he did not crack one smile. And I was like, wait, that was funny. You can't, you can't tell me that wasn't funny. And he was like, Chiquita, you laugh? But there are people still walking around today still believing that Martin mm -hmm. Luther King Jr. is the bad guy. Yeah, and absolutely. That's right. That's when I realized, like, I have a duty and a responsibility to do this, to just educate a nation. We have to just continue to have conversations with each other about, not even about race, right? We right. need to have conversations cross-culturally about the weather, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Talk to somebody who looks differently and who thinks differently than you do. When I was in high school, uh, so I grew up in an all-African-American community. And so I went to an all-African-American school. So when when I was in high school, we had this program that allowed you to go to a college campus. I think it was like for a week and just have all of these different experiences. But they pulled about five students from every school in Memphis, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. So when they pull every student, you have this big melting pot of kids from various racial backgrounds, social economic backgrounds, and they put us all into this like camp style environment at the University of Memphis, and they had like different activities, and we had to break down into small teams and just engage each other and talk about things like the weather, like what it meant to be a team member. And for the very first time, for a lot of us, was the first time we experienced having a friendship with someone that was different racially mm -hmm. than we were. And that experience is, and it, we, I had that experience at high school, but I feel like we as adults need to create those type of experiences for ourselves. So what was that like in high school? It was very eye-opening. Yeah. It was very eye-opening coming from an all-Black community and having these experience. Um, so we received messages growing up from the media, from society, and 
in a sense, the messages that we receive is that black culture is inferior, is different, is the other. Right. <laughs> and being in this environment, the first thing I'm thinking is, how do I figure out who I am in comparison to everyone else that is around? And what I started to realize is that people are people, right? No one is better. No one is worse. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what background you come from. People are people. Sometimes when we're in this social justice work, we get so overwhelmed by, I need to do something. I have to do something. I have to do something big. But really, sometimes, even if you just say, Today, if I hear someone say a racist joke, I'm going to stand up for someone, right? It's not mm-hmm. about the big moments that you have to wait for and participate in, participate in. Sometimes it's the small moments of saying, hey, I heard you say that joke and that may have hurt somebody. Or, hey, like, what did you mean? What do you mean by that? If somebody says something that's offensive to someone else and you don't want to be too challenging, Right. Just say, hey, what what do you mean by that? Make people explain, make them uncomfortable for saying things that are hurtful or that is racist or prejudice against someone else. So I just like and this is the same thing I leave people with on a tour. Don't wait for a moment, a big moment to say something big or to do something grand. It's the small things and the small moments that matters day to day. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure talking to you hearing your heart for this work and business. And I love that you moved from educator to educator. And I think it's, I think it's poignant to that, you know, you saw a need and you did something to fill that need. And I think that is inspiring. So I thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.